The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. The ball came loose, and it's going to be taken in. Micah Hyde. And it's oh my, look what I just found. How quickly the game can change. You just can't blink, folks. All of a sudden, the ball's on the ground for an exchange center to Marr. Hyde's Johnny on the spot, and he knows what to do with it. Hyde was recruited as a playmaker, plain and simple, and he makes a play around the 10-yard line. A gift. It's a third Purdue fumble. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. We have the second of our two weekly reporters' notebook segments in this podcast, this one featuring Scott Docterman, who looks ahead at the Hawks' road game against Michigan in Ann Arbor. You'll also hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Michigan's Brady Hoke. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include Marv Cook and Brent Balbinat, as well as sports reporter Scott Docterman of the Gazette, the Hawkeyes' Susan Dank, and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times. Be sure to check out Marv Cook's X's and O's show and our other Reporter's Notebook podcast. The Iowa-Purdue game highlights are courtesy of the Big Ten Network with announcers Josh Lewin and Chris Martin. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Time now to hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who was asked about losing so many close games this season, if it gets frustrating, and if he thinks luck has anything to do with it. it you know, if, if you're uh, hanging around waiting for luck, uh, you know, you probably should get, get in a different profession or do something else. You know, we're just we're trying to focus on the things that we need to do better, and, and every game's a different circumstance, and, uh, you know, it's, it's true of seasons, too, so that, that's, that's for future things thought and consideration but you know all we can do we've got uh, the same amount of time to get ready for this game that Michigan does and you know we have to utilize our, our time as well as we possibly can and try to be smart as, as, as possible about the decisions we try to make uh, going into the game and during the game and then you know execute better you know especially in critical areas so that's that's the key. Kirk talks about Michigan's defense which once again is highly ranked. You know it's, it's a total team effort they're, they're uh, not the same as they were in the 80s but similar or even you know 10 years ago where uh, they their scheme is really good, and it's it's not the same as, but it's it's you know certainly different the last two years, and, and their players are really confident playing it. And then you know they, they give you some things to, to keep you up late at night, you know, uh, especially on third down. They do they do some things that are very very challenging. But the biggest thing is they really play hard. You know they play really hard. They're very sound fundamentally. And you know when I think back when I was coaching here in the '80s, that's you know it seemed like every year faces would always be changing, but it was the same routine. And you know that '85 team, I can't remember how many touchdowns they'd given up. That was fairly late in the season, and it was a 
ridiculous amount of touchdowns that they'd allowed. So, you know, their secondary is playing well. I'm not minimizing that, but the, the guys up front and their linebackers do a great job, and they mix things up so you really can't get comfortable against them. Ference was asked about the Hawks' simple defensive scheme and the impact of the health of his players on that approach. I mean, we, we do scheme some things, and we, you know, so it's just, but it's, it all gets down, which I know this gets old for everybody, but it just really gets down to execution of what you do. You know, we, we probably do more than maybe you think, and uh, historically we've probably done that, but, you know, it gets down to the execution. One thing for sure about defense, no matter what you're doing, you got to contain the ball, and you have to tackle well, uh, and you have to play off blocks, assuming the other team's blocking, and, and you know, you got to get to the football and tackle, and we, we didn't do that well enough Saturday, so it's, uh, and, and it was both, you know, when we're playing base defense and also when we had had some calls on, you know, just uh, didn't do it consistently enough, and that's, that's not a good thing. Ference was asked what his message is to Iowa fans who are growing increasingly frustrated with his program. I, I would just say this. We've lost four straight games. I think everybody's probably frustrated and disappointed. You know, I know we are, and our players are probably more disappointed and frustrated than anybody. And I would also say our fans are, are, you know, as good as they come, and they're human. So, you know, that's a human response. I know how we feel, so I know how they feel, too. At least I don't want to speak for them, but I think, you know, when you lose four straight, there's not much fun there. So that, that's how it goes sometimes. And, and all I can tell our fans is we're working as hard as we possibly can. I can't make any guarantees. We didn't 13 and a half years ago. And one thing I promised back then is we'd work hard to be successful, and that's what we're doing. And Kirk talks about his past ability to successfully reboot the Iowa program following down years. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's no guarantee that anything's going to get better. Or, you know, I mean, there's no guarantees in sports for sure. In, you know, when you're earlier in your career, you know, you, you really probably tend to, to worry more. Or, you know, or not worry, but, you know, just, I guess you, you just learn, you know, you do what you can do. And if that's not good enough, then it's just not, it's not good enough, you know, and there's, that's all you can do, you know, so you try to be as uh, smart as you can, as, you know, prepared as you can and all that. But, you know, you also have to know you're not going to be perfect. And it's the same as being a player, you know, they're not going to be perfect out there. You know, at the end of the day, what you, you help yourself more by being, putting your efforts on, on the solution part of things, then, and you have to be aware where the issues are. I'm not, I'm not minimizing that you have to do that. So then, you know, really the, the key is, you know, because everybody's good at pointing out what's wrong, but the key is to try to find solutions that are workable and realistic and short-term and long-term, and those are the things that you really try to, to focus on. So that, that's been the approach, and, uh, you know, we'll just we'll go from there. Next up, Michigan head coach Brady Hope talks about the Iowa series and the team that comes into Ann Arbor to face his Wolverines on Saturday. Historically, uh, that football game for Michigan and being on this side of it has always been a, a tough physical battle. And, and uh, you know, I've been on the wrong side a couple times, and our seniors have never beat Iowa. And so um, not only are they playing their last home football game in Michigan Stadium, uh, they've never beat Iowa uh, since they've been here. Hope talks about his seniors playing their final game at the big house. The Saturday's uh, really a special day and it's a special day for our seniors who are playing their last game and going down that tunnel, putting on that maize and blue and that great helmet, the winged helmet for the last time uh, at home. So it's significant, carries a lot of meaning for all of us, uh, uh, how fast it's gone by for them and these guys have obviously been through a transition and it's, uh, you know, it hasn't been easy. And then uh, to make it even harder, we're playing an Iowa team that I think is well coached as a team as there is in this league. Uh, Kirk does a tremendous job, his staff. Uh, they're number one in the Big Ten in turnover margin and in red zone defense. Uh, don't have many penalties. And, uh, I think they're playing good football. They've just been on the short end of a couple games as of late. Hoke was asked about the development of his wide receiver slash quarterback, Devin Gardner, as Denard Robinson's replacement. Devin! 
Griffin is, uh, you know, he, he's a guy that played the position, you know, for a couple years here, obviously, and was in the system for a year. And then uh, to help better our team, uh, made a decision that uh, he wanted to play wide receiver. But, you know, from one week to the next, I think uh, any time you have that game experience and you, you, um, you know, learn from it, good and bad. You know, there's two throws the other day that probably he'd like to have back. But at the same time, he made some plays for us and extended some plays for us. And Hoke breaks down Iowa's offense and defense. From an offensive perspective, uh, you know, I, I think up front, I think uh, their offensive line is a line that plays well together. They're well coached. They, uh, when you get technical about, you know, uh, the blocking and the targeting and, and all those things that go along with it. I think uh, uh, when you look at what they've done running the football, Bullock and uh, uh, Wiseman, if he's, uh, uh, you know, available, is, is a guy who uh, they're physical. And, you know, you got to like to tackle if you're going to play against those two backs. And then I think Vander, Vandenberg, to me, is one of the better quarterbacks. And, you know, the timing of the routes, the timing of the throws, all those things, you know, I think are well done. And uh, they've got some playmakers out at the receivers. Uh, defensively, you know, it's uh, uh, kind of what you expect. The linebackers are going to fly around, make a lot of plays. The offensive linemen do a great job at the line of scrimmage. They force 20 turnovers, so they're getting a lot of good uh, things done. This coming Saturday, Iowa travels to Ann Arbor to face Michigan in the Big House on the Wolverine Senior Day, and this group of seniors has never beaten an Iowa team. The Hawkeyes own a three-game winning streak in the series, and it will be the first game this year when the Hawkeyes will face a ranked opponent. These are two programs going in different directions right now. The Wolverines haven't lost a home game this year, while the Hawkeyes are trying to break a four-game losing streak that appears most likely to stretch to six by the the end of the season. Michigan is also still in contention for the Legends Division title and a berth in the Big Ten title game, which provides them with even more motivation, as if they might need it. The Hawkeyes are 4-6 and six overall, 2-4 and four in the Big Ten. Michigan is 7-3 and three with a 5-1 and one record in conference play. It is bowl eligible for the 42nd time in school history. It is also the only NCAA program that has reached 900 wins. The Wolverines lead the all-time series 40 13 and 4, but the Hawkeyes have not only won three straight, but have been victorious in five of the last eight games between the two teams. Michigan also holds the advantage in games played in Ann Arbor 24-7-3. In his 14th year at Iowa, head coach Kirk Ferentz has been stuck on 100 wins against 72 losses. He is the 12th Big Ten coach to win 100 games. Michigan head coach Brady Hoke is in his second year at Michigan and 10th overall as a head coach. His record is 18-5 with a Wolverine 65 and 55 overall. The Wolverines are leading or highly ranked in the Big Ten and nationally in several defensive categories. They also have had a fairly potent offense in most games this season. About the only thing the Hawkeyes are doing well this year is in turnover margin, where they lead the conference with plus eight. Normally, you would expect that that would translate into more wins, but that has not been the case in 2012. Absent a miracle or perhaps divine intervention, no one in their right mind is picking Iowa in this game. The Hawkeyes' offense has struggled all year, and now their defense has tanked in the last four games. Special teams play is improving, but that isn't going to carry the day in a game like this. Something else has to start working, and right now it's hard to figure out what that might be. My advice to you, 
start drinking heavily. You better listen to him, Flounder. He's in pre-med. Time now for the second of our two weekly reporters' notebook shows with Scott Docterman. You can read Scott's articles in the Gazette and online at thegazette.com and in his blog, Doc's Office. You can follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Docterman, and you can also listen to Scott on WMT Radio's pregame show three hours before every Iowa home game. Scott looks ahead at the Michigan game and more. Scott, Iowa travels to Ann Arbor on Saturday to play a Michigan team that has been very good this season by and large, despite the opening loss to Alabama. Interestingly enough, it's the first time this year that Iowa will face a ranked opponent. That is interesting. I mean, you're all the way into week 11, and Iowa has has played a couple of good teams, but none that are ranked. I mean, I think in a normal year, you might see a Penn State ranked, but but, uh, this Michigan series has been interesting. Iowa's won the last three games, including their last trip to the big house, and because they didn't play Michigan in 2007 or 2008, um, Iowa has not lost to Michigan since 2006, so if you were to tell people that Iowa's undefeated against Michigan in the last six years, you'd be accurate, <laughs> you know, but uh, and historically, uh, this is the longest streak Iowa's enjoyed against Michigan. That said, this, the circumstances are completely different for this year's game. Uh, Michigan has a lot of assets that they haven't had in the last couple of years, and, uh, and Iowa, of course, has, has struggled in most areas of football, especially the last three or four weeks. It's clear that these are two programs going in different directions at least right now, and you can make a case that Michigan clearly has a lot more online this week because it's still in the hunt for the Legends Division title. It'll need Nebraska to stumble at least once, and then, of course, to, the chance to play in the Big Ten title game. They've won 13 straight home games under Brady Hoke, and the one of the more interesting aspects to this game, and there's been quite a bit of talk about it, uh, about it out of Ann Arbor, and you just talked about it. It's senior day at Michigan, and this is a Michigan team and a group of seniors that's never won over the Hawkeyes. That that just shows you that there are a lot of different variables to this game that uh, makes it a, a big challenge for Iowa to overcome. I mean, and it, you can never count on Iowa beating Michigan, even when Iowa's good and Michigan's down anyway. The histories of the programs kind of dictate that. You throw in all of those other factors, simply not even getting to the field, but the fact that Iowa, these seniors, you know, like a successful group, guys like Denard Robinson, have never beaten Iowa, uh, have had a couple of really tough losses to Iowa and then you throw in uh, senior day chance to win the still chance to win the division title they're not going to overlook Iowa because of that even though they have their biggest rivalry coming up in, in Ohio State the following week so all those things just stack the board so make this game such a challenge for Iowa going forward in a year where if Iowa loses to either Michigan or Nebraska it will guarantee a losing season both in overall and in the big Ten about the only real positive Iowa has going for it right now is is with respect to turnovers. They lead the conference in a turnover margin of plus eight. They're second in the FBS and fewest fumbles lost sixth and fewest turnovers lost. And the Hawks have recovered 11 opponents' fumbles. On the other side of the coin, you talk about an Iowa offense that has, to put it generously, struggled mightily through the whole season. And they're going up to Ann Arbor to face one of the top defenses in the Big Ten and in the FBS. 
And that's a team where you can clearly see Brady Hoke has spent a lot of his time and attention on restoring Michigan to its traditional defensive prowess versus what happened during the Rich Rodriguez years. Yeah, that, that's what, that was his biggest hallmark there. You know, he is a line guy. He believes in upfront football on both sides of the ball, and, and that's pretty obvious from the way he's built it. He's, he also hired one of the best defensive coordinators in the world in Greg Madison, you know, and father of former Iowa defensive end, Brian Madison. And so they invested heavily up front on both sides of the ball, and they're still and they're still a work in progress. But as you mentioned, ever since the Alabama game where they were clearly outplayed and outclassed, Michigan's defense has really come to play. Their two losses had circumstances, uh, mainly dealing with the offense, both with uh, giving up six turnovers to Notre Dame and then Denard Robinson going out and offense clearly stalling at Nebraska. So those were both road defeats. This team is surging. It's the program is back to surging stats. Defensively, going against Iowa's offense, which Iowa just has not established any kind of rhythm. I think for most of the year, we've been waiting for that passing game to just kind of catch up, catch on fire. Uh, it had done it a few times last year. You know, we talked about what James Vanderbilt brought to the team last year. And I think we were waiting for that game like the second half against Pittsburgh last, you know, where they threw for 399 yards and four touchdowns. It just hasn't happened. And there are a lot of question marks in this. Is it, is it scheme? Is it uh, personnel? a combination of both, is it play calling? And I think probably a variation of all of that, but to go against a good team like this on the road on a senior day in, in the most populated stadium in the country, oh, this just does not look good for Iowa right now. The strength of the Michigan defense appears to be, at least right now, it's linebackers. Um, talk a little bit about what Iowa fans should look for with respect to the Michigan defense in this game. Well, you, you've got an aggressive defense, one that's been rebuilt. Uh, they've got a lot they had a few guys who left the program, but they've been able to successfully fill it. Uh, they're really good at the point of attack, and I think that's going to be a, a real difficulty for Iowa. Running the football the last couple of weeks has been the, the, probably the greatest challenge and also the uh, biggest concern for the Hawkeyes. They went up against the two worst rush defenses in the Big Ten in Purdue and Indiana, and yet they came away struggling, to say the least, uh, You know, rushing for less than you know, 100 yards against both opponents, uh, whereas they had given up nearly 200 or more than 200 yards per game. So uh, Michigan has lots of talented guys, Craig Rowe among them, who will stop the run, and that's where they're going to be geared to against Iowa because Iowa's passing game doesn't scare anybody at this point. So I think this is this just does not shape up well for Iowa in a lot of areas. Following that Alabama loss, they've really played well and and hadn't really struggled defensively until last week against Northwestern a bit, and ultimately, of course, they won that game in overtime. But what hurt them against Northwestern was the Wildcats option attack, and Iowa doesn't really have one of those. <laughs> That's true, and, and uh, as we saw firsthand, Northwestern's run, running offense is very potent. It's It's got elusive players. It can move in gap. Uh, you look at Kane Coulter, saw it firsthand again, you know, about <laughs> a massive game against Iowa. Really kind of the what really changed the season, I think, for the Hawkeyes from going, you know, having hopeful thoughts that they might be improving to realistic thoughts that they're not. And Michigan struggled against them, but Michigan's offense was able to come up with a, you know, a massive key play at the end of the game to, to keep them in it, and they were able to win. So that said, Iowa doesn't do anything well offensively right now, and if and in order to get an upset against a really good team on the road in this situation, you, you would hope that, okay, the passing game has to come forward. They can, they can pass on them. Well, Iowa can't do that. And can they control the line of scrimmage? No. They haven't been able to do that either. 
there. So it, it looks to be a, a really uphill climb, barring any kind of special teams improvements or run back for Iowa really to stay in this game. Looking at Michigan's offense now, in spite of the fact that they haven't been able to beat the Hawkeyes, the Wolverines under Denard Robinson, his, his stats are just short of all world. They're amazing. But because of that nerve issue with his arm, reports out of Ann Arbor as of yesterday afternoon were that he won't play at all other than maybe a token appearance, you know, one last appearance as a senior uh, in their home stadium. If that's true, quarterback slash wide receiver Devin Gardner has stepped in the last two weeks. He's done a good job, completes over 60% of his passes, excellent pocket presence, and he makes big plays with his arm and feet. That sounds like another scary quarterback for Iowa's defense. It really surprised me when he moved full-time to wide receiver. He's a terrific athlete, but he was brought in by Rich Rodriguez as kind of the more true type quarterback than Denard Robinson, where Denard Robinson was more one-dimensional as a runner. Devin Gardner was brought in mostly as kind of a run-pass guy. Uh, when he made the move to wide receiver earlier this year, I think it was uh, it was looked strange basically one way to get him on the field more often. And then you could really say that by him not being there, that really cost Michigan one game this year at Nebraska when they brought in, I believe his name was Bellamy, and at quarterback and uh, really, really struggled. I think De- uh, Devin Gardner has a presence about him. Last week, uh, you know, he was a co-Big Ten player of the week, you know, made a, a terrific play at the last, uh, within the last 10 seconds of the game to uh, put them in field goal position to tie the game and go into overtime against Northwestern. He, he provides a lot of different aspects to football. He's a better passer than Denard Robinson. Tall guy, rangy, quick, and can move uh, laterally and up the field. And yeah, as you mentioned, Denard Robinson, but Denard Robinson's going to play a different position at the next level anyway. He's probably more of a wide receiver kick returner, so this might be, it might actually help him out if they actually just put him at running back and let him run the football, which they have before. Devin Gardner made a couple of appearances against the Hawkeyes last year in Iowa City. So um, I would I would actually be more worried about Devin Gardner because Iowa had defended with different personnel, albeit, uh, had defended Denard Robinson much more effectively than most teams the last couple of years. They kept him pinned in the pocket. They hit him hard each and every time he held the ball, and that's why they were able to win, especially the last two games. So Devin Gardner brings a little bit better passing attack, and I think that can be a real challenge for Iowa to try to defend. Michigan hasn't officially ruled Robinson out. They, their official line is that he's day-to-day, which makes the Hawkeyes' defensive preparations even more difficult because they have to prep for both of those guys. Yeah, they do, and I think at, that, at this point, what Iowa's off, uh, defensive line has been able to accomplish, I don't think it would matter who, who plays, and I don't think it would matter if it was just a straight drop-back quarterback. Iowa has been unable to get pressure on the quarterback their last in the Big Ten in sack, uh, 11 sacks in 10 games. They haven't been able to get any pressure on the quarterback, which has been, you know, just cost them in the last couple of weeks. So to, I think at, at their point right now, it's not about preparing for any quarterback. It's preparing about just doing something besides playing, uh, you know, hand check with uh, the offensive lineman in front of them. And right now, with some of the injuries they've had, some of the illnesses they've had, uh, this is, a, I think the defensive line is the biggest area of concern on the team right now. And with Michigan's two-headed attack, both for the pass, passing game with Devin Gardner and the running game that fits on, or if Denard Robinson does play, it really it, it could really cause some issues, on, especially up front with Iowa's defensive line. Yeah, we focused a lot all season about the ugly offensive stat that Vandenberg only has five touchdown passes. It's about an equivalent ugly stat on the defensive side of the ball is the number of sacks and the fact that even when they were healthy on defense, they weren't getting much pressure 
pressure on opposing quarterbacks. Yeah, they haven't been all year. Early on, uh, they, they did okay in a couple of early games. I think we saw uh, against Northern Illinois, uh, they were able to, in the second half, really pin in Jordan Lynch. They were the only team that's been able to do that. And then in, against Iowa State, they really played Ben, but don't break, and they made some plays. But really, after the Michigan State game, especially, which they play a similar style football as Iowa, you've seen that they've been exposed, that their defensive line just cannot get pressure on the quarterback, and uh, and, and with that, they're easily blocked, which <laughs> is the worst combination you can find. I go, I think the roots of where some of those issues are are traced all the way back to the opener in 2011, when Iowa played against Tennessee Tech, Kinnick Stadium. The, the rainstorm came, the monsoon, if you will. Uh, afterwards, Iowa threw in their second unit, which consisted of several of the players that are currently starting, and Tennessee Tech went right up the field with them with some of their reserves, and I thought, wow, if they're allowing this to happen against a, a very mediocre, meager Division One AA program, uh, what are they going to do against better opponents? And, and I think we're seeing that right now, that they just don't have a stopper on defense. They don't have a guy who can rush the court passer. They don't have really a, a stout lineman, and we've been accustomed to that over the years. Iowa's had defensive line has kind of been their trademark, uh, really both lines, but especially on defense with guys like King and Kroll, Ballard, Vince, Claiborne, uh, you name it. Over, over Kirk Ferentz's history, they've had a terrific defensive line, and at this point, they are really hurting there. Uh, and, you, and you're almost now at the hope stage that you hope that next year a couple of guys will step up and become good players. But right now, that is the sorest spot on the team, even above the passing game, in my opinion. More from Scott Docterman after this break. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings. Moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ooh, a toilet. Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. <laughs> Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com. Go to the news and events section and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and on Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Quad City Times, and listen to Brent Balbinot on Hawkeye's Mike and on the Balbinot and Bramel Camp Show weekdays 4 to 7 p.m. on KGYM, ESPN Sports Radio in Cedar Rapids, and at KGYMRadio.com. Back to our conversation with Scott Docterman. Scott talks keys to the Michigan game, and since he will be in Cancun with the Iowa men's basketball team next week, he takes a sneak peek ahead to the season ender against Nebraska. 
taking a look at Michigan's skill players, the running back has has struggled this season, but primarily because Michigan's offensive line play has been somewhat inconsistent. But they have especially three receivers, a tight end, a freshman tight end, um, and then wideouts, Jeremy Gallen and Roy Roundtree have both played really well. Yeah, Roy Roundtree is, is quite the player. He's been a, in fact, you know, he was involved last year in that close loss to Iowa at the goal line, uh, not not being able to get a catch, and then you saw what, what he could do last week against Northwestern, making that 52-yard catch from Devin Gardner inside of 10 seconds to, to get a field goal. So they do have uh, their, their pass catchers are, are improved, you know, even missing junior Hemingway from last year. They still have some talent there. Uh, Fitz Toussaint has not been the running back they want, but he's still capable, and I think that's something that I always have to worry about with Iowa is can they slow down the running back and uh, and with Michigan even though they're up front they're not the same team certainly not with David Molk you know who left after the last year but they still are physical they they preach physical football and with Fitz Toussaint right now got it you've got to be concerned with Iowa I mean last week going against Ralph Bolden and Robert Marv guys who've had tons of base I think they've had six ACL surgeries or ACL tears among them and they're still getting yards I, I think right now <laughs> the best anecdote for any of these uh, offenses are to play Iowa. Yeah, if you're an opposing player, your chances of being named Big Ten Player of the Week in some category are pretty high since it's happened four weeks in a row against Iowa. So um, let me throw out some stats for Michigan's offense just to give listeners a, a sense of, of how well they played offensively generally this year. They've scored 30 points or more in five games. Iowa's done that just twice. They've totaled more than 150 yards rushing in seven of their 10 games this year. They lead the Big Ten in third down conversions at 50%, and they also lead the Big Ten in red zone offense at nearly 90%. Again, for an Iowa defense that's been struggling, those are scary numbers. That is. That's, those are numbers you, you don't want to hear, even if you have a defense the way Iowa did two or three years ago. So to have it against this unit that's been battered, that's allowed big plays and key moments, uh, I think really the, the Iowa season can be summed up by game-ending drives the last two weeks, you know, probably on both sides of the ball. But you look at Indiana, Iowa decide, elects to uh, punt on a fourth and one, They uh, and Indiana keeps the ball for the better part of the last minute of the game, and they lose by three. Last week, Iowa gambles on fourth and one, or fourth and three, and gets a one-yard pass. Purdue goes right up the field and gets a game-winning field goal. That shows you on both sides of the ball, they're equally inept. They can't get a three-yard gain on offense, and they give up, you know, 40 yards or thereabouts on defense to give up the game-winning field goal. So each in each game, it showed that Iowa, on both sides of the ball, uh, struggles to do anything that it needs to do to win games. And going at it again, at Michigan, 114,000 people, team hungry, team that's got an edge, <laughs> team with, on a senior day, uh, that's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah, I'm still... Uh still struggling with that fourth down call. I don't know how you send a receiver out one yard when you need three yards for a first down, but that's an issue for another time. Michigan's uh, special teams, pretty decent, really, at least in terms of their two kickers. uh, They have the leading punter in the Big Ten, and they have the second leading field goal kicker. Yeah. Um, they they are consistent, which is better than what they had been, at least since they had Zoltan Nesco at punter. Iowa's special teams, to me, they are they've improved in most areas. I would say kick return is pretty good with Jordan Cotton. I thought he should have had a chance last year, and then certainly earlier this year, and now he's made the most out of it. One of the best kick returners in the Big Ten. Uh, their kick coverage 
has been better this year by and large. Punting has been inconsistent, and I think that's what you get when you have a true freshman and you know, then you have a senior, you kind of float it in there once in a while. So that's that's really kind of the area that I think Iowa can at least pull even with Michigan. But Michigan will not surrender any kind of major flaws that, in that, that game as well. Thinking ahead then to Saturday, who are your key players for the Hawkeyes? What are the key matchups in this game? Well, I think right now you've got to look at what can Iowa do up front. Iowa, it, ever since Brandon Scherf has been uh, out at offensive tackle, Iowa moved Matt Tobin, which, again, that really hurt two positions. One, Matt Tobin is, a, is an excellent guard and a decent tackle. And two, your guard guard play has been very inconsistent at best and, and probably more of a minus over time. So can Iowa at least neutralize Michigan's defensive line uh, at the point of attack? That is going to be critical for them to establish any kind of ground game because Iowa has to run the football in this game in order to at least be able to keep Michigan's offense off the field because think that Iowa's defense is going to struggle against Michigan's offense. So that said, that's easier said than done. Iowa has not run the football effectively the last three weeks against opponents where they logically could run the football against. So I think that is going to be the key matchup for Iowa. Can their offensive line at least go to a stalemate in the running game? Can they get some yards they need? Can they drive once in a while? That to me is going to be abs critical too. Can Iowa generate a pass rush? Can Iowa guys like Joe Gaglio and Steve Bigat, guys who are in their senior season from that part of the world, can they generate any kind of pass rush on Devin Gardner? Make him make mistakes. He's a tremendous athlete, but he doesn't have a lot of experience as a uh, quarterback. And I think Iowa's strength on its defense and its corner play with Micah Hyde and B.J. Lowry. Can they allow them to, to make plays if they can generate a pass rush? I think those are, it's really dictated by the line of scrimmage for Iowa have any chance. Prediction? What's the deficit going to be? Uh, I have, I think Iowa, this is not good for Iowa. I have Michigan winning 38-13. Just if Iowa had one area of the game, uh, one aspect on either side of the football that I could say they're better than Michigan and they can do this and if they can do this effectively they have a chance, then I would would give it closer. But I just, I think everything is stacked against Iowa in this game and Iowa with four straight losses it's hard to to think that they're pull a rabbit out of their hat, especially on the road. Since you're not going to do the preview show next week, do you have any preliminary thoughts on Nebraska? Uh, on Nebraska, that that's the game I think Iowa actually has a chance in, because Nebraska on the road has been mediocre. They've fallen behind in a lot of games. Uh, they've allowed themselves to have the football run on them. I will be there for Nebraska's game. I will get back on Thanksgiving, so I will be at least there in time to, to cover the game. But uh, that, that said, you got to prove it. And I think this is a very important game in the history of the Iowa football program. And I'm not saying it because they, they will not be bowl eligible because they will lose uh, this weekend. But the Big Ten pushed these two programs together as border states, as a rivalry game. And they're both trying to make it a rivalry to some extent. But in order to make it a rivalry, you have to win. You have to win when it's important to your opponent and take something away from them and when it's important to you. If what happens and what we expect this weekend, which is Nebraska is going to Minnesota and Michigan's going to beat Iowa, if 
if Nebraska wins in Iowa City, they will clinch the divisional title and go to Indianapolis. So what Iowa needs to do is, with all its heart and soul, is to come out and play hard and try to take it away from Nebraska. If they can do that in in uh, Iowa City, put the hurt on Nebraska, take their will away, and win that game, that will. And they very well still could advance to the title game because Michigan has to play at Ohio State the following day. But it rains on their parade. They they win the the trophy, but they have a down feeling about it. That's when the rivalry starts, and that's why it's important to Iowa. That's why it's important to the history of Iowa, because otherwise Iowa becomes Colorado in Nebraska's eyes. Iowa is a meaningless team, and they'll wonder, why do we have to finish the season against them? And you want to earn that respect, and even in your bad years, you've got to demand to take that respect, and that's what Iowa needs to do that day. Forecast for tomorrow, a few sprinkles of genius for the chance of doom. 46-yard game-winning field goal, longest field goal all year for Purdue. They stop a five-game losing streak, keep their flickering bowl hopes alive, and they make Iowa now needing to win both games against Michigan and Nebraska. It's going to be a rough go for the Hawkeyes now. And Coach Kirk Ferentz, that's it from Iowa City. Your final here with a game-winning field goal, 27-24, Purdue. Hawkeyes Mike is always interested in and encourages listener feedback. Help make us better. Please provide us with your comments and suggestions for programs, guests, and topics by emailing feedback at hawkeyesmike.com or by calling toll-free 866-74-HAWKS. Hawkeye's Mike football shows are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville, Iowa. Call 319-512-6261 or toll-free 800-883-0842. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Our thanks again to BTN for the game highlights this week, and thanks to Scott Docterman, not only for this show, but for his contributions throughout the entire season. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you will participate by phoning and making your own voice heard on our shows. Call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.